Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Chapter 43 opens with the famine was sore in the land. Now, now Jacob had figured already in the end of the last chapter that he would rather lose Simeon than risk losing Benjamin. But now the famine is pressing down hard on Jacob. As a matter of fact, that's how the Hebrew reads in verse 1, that the hunger was heavy. The hunger was heavy. So they're suffering here. They're suffering from starvation. And that's the worst kind of death that there is, this death by starvation. Uh, Jeremiah describes that in Lamentations 4.9. Lamentations 4.9, where Jeremiah says, they that be slain with the sword are better than they that be slain with hunger. For these pine away, stricken through for want of fruits of the field. So it's, it, Jeremiah says, it's better you get killed with a sword than you, you die the slow death of hunger. That's what they're gripped in here. The famine has just tightened its squeeze on Jacob and the family. And it's no longer a question about risking Benjamin's life and sending him down. Now it's a question of risking everyone's life by not sending Benjamin down. So... We read in the next verse, verse 2, it came to pass when they'd eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, go again and buy us a little food. You know, it says that when they had eaten up the corn, their father said unto them. And these words, go again, is a real cry of desperation. Go again, go again. I can't stand the hunger. Go again. It's such a graphic picture of people today. You know, they tried to stay away from Egypt and just live on the corn they had. But the corn ran out, and they're forced to go down to Egypt. They had hoped that what they might, what they had might last through the famine, but it didn't. And that's a picture of man today. He's trying to stay away from the Lord Jesus Christ. He's clinging to life, to his possessions, to his comfortable life, to his recreations, to his reputation, to his family, anything. And just as we see Jacob here, trying to rely on the corn they had to keep them away from Egypt, from the man down there. And so man today tries to rely on anything to keep him away from God. And the Lord Jesus Christ warned about a life like that when he referred to the two different meats he referred to in John 6.27. John 6.27, he said, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath have God the Father sealed. So meat satisfies hunger. I like meat. Anyway, and the Lord spoke of two meats, though. One meat that doesn't give a lasting satisfaction, because you keep on having to come back for it, and the other meat 
So, for example, what he was referring to were the meat of possessions and so forth. And that doesn't give a lasting satisfaction. And then the other meat of eternal life, which is a gift that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. One meat the Lord calls the meat that perisheth. The other meat he calls the meat that endureth. So as we see this family here with the corn running out, it's a picture of man spending his life to get the meat that perisheth. And we see Jacob with the corn that run out, and he's crying out in desperation, go again, buy us a little food. It's such a picture of man in the world who what he finds in the world, which is John, 1 John 2, 16 says, describes everything that's in the world. 1 John 2, 16 says, all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father, it's of the world. And the world passes away, perishing, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So all that a man finds in the satisfaction of the world, it's not of God, it's just passing away. So Jacob's crying out, go again, I need more. I ran out. It reminds me of a famine that drove another man. His name was um, Bobby Matos, Bobby Matos. Bobby Matos, if you were into Afro-Cuban Latin jazz, then you'd know Bobby Matos. <laughs> Bobby Matos, he's a Jewish man from Bronx, from the Bronx in New York. He was born in 1941. Now, when Bobby was a little boy, he began to play music by hitting pots and pans in his grandmother's apartment in the Bronx. And so they gave him lessons and so he wouldn't hit the pots and pans. So he studied drums under Santa Maria, and he played the Latin drums all over New York City, and he became a famous band leader, and he even toured with Miriam Makiba and Bette Midler. And, and anyway, he's a very famous guy. And so, oh, I have a picture of him here. You can't see it, probably. Can you see that? That's Bobby, Bobby Maddows there, playing his drums. I could play music for you, but that's okay. Anyway, now what's interesting about a musician is that he expresses himself by the title of the songs that he writes. And Bobby Maddows wrote songs. And so some of Bobby Maddows' songs reflected, it's interesting, how a Brooklyn Jew wanted to transform himself into Latino. <laughs> so one of his songs is called Mi Alma Latino, you know, My Latin Soul, you know. <laughs> and another one is Afro-Cubano. So now he's an African-Cuban anyway. And another one is Cafe with Bagels. <laughs> Okay, those are some of his expressions. But some of his other songs show a soul that was reaching out to God because he wrote songs entitled Ain't Too Proud to Beg and Unchain My Heart and The God of the Crossroads and The Creator Has a Master Plan and The Promised Land. Well, last week we got a call from a Christian Latina woman uh, named Gina in Los Angeles she called the Israel Restoration 800 number, and she wanted to talk about how she was recently witnessing to a dying Jewish man with cancer. And Gina said that she had taken drum lessons in the past from this famous Latin, she wasn't really Latin, but anyways, Jewish drummer from New York and living in Los Angeles, and it was Bobby Matos. And so Gina had heard that he was sick with cancer, and so she said that she had received, Tom Canners frequently asked questions from a West Coast um, Baptist College student on the Saturday Los Angeles outreaches. You know, that's the one that goes on during the year when the summer blitz is not going on. And she said the book helped her to know how to respond to Jewish people like Bobby. So she felt confident to go and visit Bobby in the hospital. 
And she was worried that Bobby in his current state wouldn't remember her as his student, so especially since she had to wear a mask when she went into the over her face because of his conditions, cancer condition. So she was told that when she got there, she was warned by the nurses that she said, look, you know, Bobby has been very feisty, very angry. He's yelling at everyone in the hospital. And so Gina went into the room there with another friend, and she found that he was near death. And But he did recognize her and acknowledged her. He was very tired, and he simply listened to her talk as she spoke about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, she had only led a few people to the Lord through the sinner's prayer, but with boldness then, she explained what Jesus did, and she led Bobby in the sinner's prayer. He was unable to speak for himself. He was unable to verbalize back the sinner's prayer, but he just closed his eyes. But then Gina asked Bobby, did you trust Jesus as your Savior? And he looked at her and nodded yes. And then she asked him if he asked Jesus to forgive her sins, and he again looked at him, nodded yes. And she said there was a peace and, and there was a presence there, and he fell back to sleep. There he is in this now, Los Angeles Hospital, very close to heaven. Anyway, just as the famine broke Jacob, so cancer broke Bobby and brought him to this repentance where he accepted the Lord. And you remember those songs that he wrote, you know, like uh, Ain't Too Proud to Beg and Unchained My Heart and God of the Crossroads and Creator Has a Master Plan and the Promised Land. Well, just as with Jacob now in his famine, it took cancer for Bobby to become Ain't Too Proud to Beg for God. And to finally have his prayer answered of unchain my heart and to find the God of the crossroads in his life and, and the creator has a master plan for him and he's reached the promised land all through the Lord Jesus Christ. So why did that happen, by the way? Because it took dedicated Saturday outreach students, just like the summer blitzers, leaving booklets on the doorsteps. It took a dedicated Latina Christian student of Latin jazz drums who said in her heart, She wasn't going to let her Jewish teacher die and be cast into hell. She was going to go. So pray for her. She has another teacher now named Roth. His last name is Roth. He's always Jewish drummer as well. And so she's going to go witness to him. Now, Bobby wasn't the only Jewish man who had a personal famine that drove him to the Lord Jesus Christ. There was also this last week Morty in Toronto, Canada. And he was reached by the summer blitzers. And they wrote... Uh, Morty is an elderly man in his 70s. Boy, what's that make me? I don't know. What's that make you? I mean, <laughs> anyway, Morty is an elderly man in 70s, but we know, we, you know, when you're late teens and 20, they look really ancient. And probably the most receptive out of any of the Jewish people we've encountered. When he answered the door, I saw the kip on his head, knew that most men in his age were set in their ways, and we were in an Orthodox Jewish neighborhood. Yet he decided to be quiet and simply listen and was very interested in the gospel. He was so ready and thirsty to accept the gospel message that distractions seemed to get in the way. Upon the third visit, is written, I gave him the gospel for the third time and led him to a point of decision. He immediately took the decision. It honestly took me a little off guard on how quickly he received the gospel. This was only a 15-minute visit, and he accepted Christ as his Messiah, as God and Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord for this man's readiness to gladly accept Christ. Peace came over him. It's difficult to visit him considering that his children and neighbors are Orthodox and his wife has Alzheimer's. He is hurting. I don't know all the details of his pain, but peace came over him when I told him that I would pray for him. And since he's accepted Christ, he now has Christ to help him. By the way, three visits to Morty 
before he came to the Lord Jesus. That's why we keep on going back to the same Jewish neighborhoods every year for the summer blitz. So what Bobby and Morty had in common was this personal famine that just broke them. Well, this is where Jacob is now in verse 2. He's at the end when he says, buy us a little food. He's reduced to begging. You know, he's just like Bobby Maddow's song. Jacob is ain't too proud to beg, you know, <laughs> at the end of verse 2. Now, we see in the midst of all this desperation, it's not Reuben that speaks, fortunately, in verse 3. But it's Judah, it says. And Judah spake unto him, saying, The man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, You shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. So here we see now the boldness of Judah. And this boldness is what Jacob, his father, said was going to characterize Judah in the future when he gives his deathbed prophecy of Judah, which we'll come to in Genesis 49.9. In Genesis 49.9, Jacob said about Judah, Judah is a lion's whelp you know, a young lion mother that gave birth. A lion's wealth from the prey, my son, thou art gone up. So this is true to form now, is Jacob is now seeing this with Judah. Judah is now rising up with this boldness, and he speaks. He speaks, and he says in verse 3 that the man said, solemnly protest. And he said, you shall not see my face except your brother be with you. Now, it's very clear here from what Judah is saying here and how the whole focus of this chapter is changing now. We really got our focus on one of the brothers. Obviously, we know who that is. When you look at the 11 brothers now there in Canaan, there's only one brother who's the most special to Joseph, and that brother is Benjamin. Okay, Benjamin, right. So the focus now is on Benjamin. All eyes are on Benjamin. And there's one word that Judah says in verse 3 that shows how important Benjamin is right now. Can you pick out a word in verse 3 that shows how important Benjamin was at that time? You got to look at it. Except. It's except. It's except. That's it. Except. The word except shows just how important Benjamin was to have with them. The word except shows how much hinged on whether or not Benjamin was with them. As a matter of fact, you could say, this whole chapter is about Benjamin. This is a chapter about Benjamin. I mean, Judah reported to Jacob that the man had solemnly protested and been emphatic that Benjamin had to be with them in order for them to be accepted. Now, why was Benjamin so special to Joseph? He was his only full brother. Full brother, right? You know, Jacob refers to him as, as the sons of Rachel. So he was the only brother that he was the most closely related to Joseph because they had the same mother and father, obviously. And, and he had the closest obvious relationship with Benjamin. So this chapter is all about how important Benjamin is to Joseph. Now we're going to see from some verses here in this chapter several reasons why Benjamin was important. Now look at verse 3. You start off with verse 3. What in verse 3 shows us how important Benjamin was? Very simple question. What in verse 3 shows how important Benjamin was? That's it. No Benjamin, no face. <laughs> no Benjamin, no face. Okay. So the first reason why Benjamin is so important is that Benjamin gave the brothers acceptance with Joseph. 
Benjamin made them able to see Joseph. That's the first reason. That's the first reason why Benjamin is so important. Now there's a second reason why Benjamin is important, and it's found in verses 3 and 4 together. 3 and 4 together. So why is he so important from verses 3 and 4 together? Yeah, if you send them, we'll go. If you don't send them, we won't go. We will go. We will not go. So this word will, you send them, we will. You don't send them, we will not. So the brothers were not willing to go without Benjamin. So Benjamin made the brothers willing to go to Joseph. Benjamin, this is the second reason, Benjamin gave the brothers a willingness to go to Joseph. That's the second reason. Third reason why Benjamin is so important is in verse 8. What is it that's brought out in verse 8 that, that shows the importance of Benjamin? The real issue of what? It's an issue of life and death. Send, verse 8, send the lad with me that we may live and not die. So Benjamin with or Benjamin without them determined whether or not the brothers would live or die. Benjamin, that's the third reason. Benjamin determined life and death for the brothers. Okay, now the fourth reason why Benjamin is so important is in verse 16. Verse 16 shows us why Benjamin is so important. Why was, they, they're obviously down now in Egypt, but because of Benjamin, what does it say that happened? Verse 16. Why was Benjamin so important in verse 16? Dying? Dying, dying, right, dying, exactly. See, in verse 16 it says, when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said, bring these men home, these men shall dine with me. These men shall eat with me. So when Joseph saw Benjamin, he said, okay, now they're going to be brought home with me, and they're going to eat with me. So Benjamin gave the brothers an entrance into Joseph's home and, and fellowship, you know, because it says they were happy. Now, that's the fourth reason. The fourth reason why he's so important. Okay, now, there's another reason and it's in verses 29 through 30. 29 through 30 shows us how important Benjamin was. What is brought out about the importance of Benjamin in these two verses, 29 and 30? Sort of mentioned it already a little bit. Yeah, it was his brother. When, see, when it says there in verse 29, he lifted up his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin. Then it goes on to say, his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep. When Joseph saw Benjamin, his heart went out. And he cried. So when the brothers came with Benjamin, the brothers came with the brother that was the most loved. That's the point. He was the most loved of the brothers. And the last reason, the sixth reason why Benjamin was so important is what's found in verse 34. What does it say in verse 34 that shows us why Benjamin, or how Benjamin, how important Benjamin was? He got five times the meal. So <laughs> he got five times. He was probably the littlest guy there, but he got the most. I don't know. But anyway, but he got five times as much as theirs. His portion was five times. That showed that Benjamin was the most honored of all the brothers. Now let's put this all together. So here we have these 11 brothers here, and there's one brother, and it was Benjamin. And this one brother gave the other brothers acceptance with Joseph. There was one brother, Benjamin. This brother made the other brothers willing to go to Joseph. This brother determined life and death for the other brothers. 
This brother gave the brothers entrance into Joseph's home with the fellowship. Why? Because this one brother was the most loved brother by Joseph, and this brother was also the most honored brother by Joseph. Among the brothers of Benjamin, this brother made them accepted, made them willing to go, made it determine whether or not they would live or die, gave them entrance into the home and fellowship there, and he was the most loved, he was the most honored. Six very important points about the importance of Benjamin in this chapter. Those six points are a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ among the Jewish people and God the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ is like Benjamin, and Joseph is like God the Father. So just as Benjamin was one of the brothers, the Lord Jesus Christ is one of the Jewish, he's a man among the Jewish people. The Bible identifies the Lord Jesus Christ among the Jewish people as one of their own. In John 1.11, John 1.11, he came unto his own, his own received him not. And just as there was one special brother among the brothers, Benjamin, so there's one special man among the men, and his name is Jesus Christ. And that was so special. This is what was so special about Benjamin. It was what Benjamin did for the brothers. And that's what's so special about the Lord Jesus Christ for man. It's what he does for man. Just as in verse 3, the brothers could not be brought in to Joseph's face without Benjamin. No man can be brought in to God the Father without the Lord Jesus Christ. As it says in Jude one twenty four. Jude 24, it says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Nobody presents themselves before God. A person must be presented by the Lord Jesus Christ. And then just as in verses three and four, the brothers were only willing to go to Joseph as long as they had Benjamin, the same with us. We're only willing to go to God, as it says in Hebrews 10, 19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Mount Sinai, when you look at the Jewish people, they ran away from God in fear. They said to Moses, you go, we're not going. And they ran away. But with the Lord Jesus Christ, it says in Hebrews ten nineteen, we have a boldness. We have a boldness to come to God. Now, just as in verse 8, Benjamin was the with or without person that determined life or death, whether they would live or die. So the Lord Jesus Christ alone determines whether a person will live eternally or die eternally. As he said at the resurrection of Lazarus in John eleven twenty five, John eleven twenty five, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then in Romans 6.23, Romans 6.23, where it explains the, the bad news, the wages of sin is death. But then it goes on to says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And 1 John 5.11 couldn't make it clearer. 1 John 5.11 says this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. This life is in his son. Very simply put, he that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son of God hath not life. Eternal life depends simply on whether or not a person has the Lord Jesus Christ.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.